What's up, everyone? You're tuning in to Athletes Unplugged. I'm your host, Quill Jackson. Our guest today is a guy by the name of Michael Adams. He's a 16-year NFL veteran. He's a two-time pro bowler. He was able to play in Super Bowl 48 with the Denver Broncos. Um, more importantly, his transition from player to coach with the Chicago Bears. That's what he's doing now. So we talk about that. We talk about his 16-year experience. We talk about it all here at Athletes Unplugged. You better not miss it. Ew. Uh, you know what? This, this, okay, that what you drinking? What you sipping on, man? man? You missed the intro, man. You you missed my intro for you, bro. I heard the whole thing. That shit was weak. I thought it would okay, be well, long. What, what, you know what you sipping on? What you sipping on? Take a guess, Honey Jack. Take a guess, huh? Honey Jack. Come Honey on, Jack. Man. Come on, man. That's that's when that's Hennessy. Not yeah, that's when that's when it's in the cover. That's what I couldn't afford. Uh, couldn't afford Hennessy when I was in Cleveland. Hey, it's still good though. So, so what's up, man? How you doing in Chicago, man? Tell me about the the transition from a 16 year career in the NFL, a uh, ton of accolades, you made a ton of plays, and now you're transitioning over. You've only been retired for what a year and a half now. What's that transition like from player to coach right now? Um, first off, I'm enjoying it. You know, um, I'm enjoying every moment of it. I love it. I love developing players and being involved in the process. Um, it's going well. It's going well. And the transition has been um, challenging because, you know, you still love the game. You still want to be a part of some aspect of the game, of the game. Mm -hmm. But now you're on the opposite side. So you see how everything works and why they make their decisions, why they choose the people they do. You're getting to see those things and you're just sitting back thinking like, hey, I should have, I could have, you know what I'm saying? Just thinking about all the players that came in and out of the league. But uh, for the most part, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm learning. I think the hardest part for me right now is articulating what I've learned. You know, right. um, I played right. 16 years. Sometimes what, what you know, what you do, you can't really teach. Um, right, right. That, that was going to be my next question was, how do you go from playing under a scheme as a player to to – developing how to teach it and that's and that's something listen with your 16 years you have a ton of a ton of experience right there's nothing that you can watch on film that you hadn't already seen but the other side of it is probably a transition period for you is being able to articulate and explain how to how to teach certain aspects of the game so with that being said with your 16 year career what do you think you can add to this db room i got my own assumptions because i played with you for in my 11 years, I played with you, what, five or six of those years? So I know what you bring. I, I'm curious to know if, if, if what do you think about how do you bring – what do you bring to a DB room with your experience? Um, I, just that. I think I bring experience. I, I think I bring credibility. Um, I think I, mm. I bring um, uh, a type of – a different space and some new enthusiasm, not no disrespect to any right. coach, but, like, I just left the NFL. So people – see me kind of different, you know, and they, and they, mm -hmm. they talk different because they understand I was just in the locker room last year. So, um, right. Are you ready to deal with that? Are you ready to, cause I know it's early in OTAs and all that, but when you get into the, the, the groove of things and how do you make that switch from player to coach? Because I know you, I know you're an honest man. You're, you're a fun guy. You're one of the most positive guys I've ever played with, no matter what the circumstance was, no matter what the score was or, or the the record was how do you 
are you have you thought about how you're going to flip that switch or are you going to flip that switch are you going to still be the same guy that i've known in the locker room but you wear a coach's hat so so what what i would say to that is i always been coaching you know playing safety mm-hmm. i always like people up i was always the guy in the background or in the back showing people how to how to uh play a certain scheme or how to navigate um right. now i'm not then i was showing them teaching them and playing now i'm just showing them and watching them and hoping they take what i've given them and and, and uh transition that into making plays um i think oh, okay. uh i i i think uh, i'm gonna give you an example um uh champ bailey right champ bailey uh did something in practice and it was crazy yeah everybody i'm like hi how the hell oh, i'm back and then you would go and be like, "Hey, Chan, what's up, man? How you, how you do that? What, what was you thinking?" And he'd be like, "I don't know, man, because right, it's hard. Right. To, he's great, and I'm not comparing myself to him by any means. First battle, it's just instincts. It's just that he got that it where sometimes he can't explain what he just did. Mm-hmm. He can't explain it, but he know how to do it, and he right, can't right. teach how to do it. So." Uh, I think that's the, the 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 transition that's tough for me saying that, okay, I played in this scheme and we did it this way. Now I have to teach right. it this way so they can understand it the way I did it. Right. And you also have to, you also don't have the freedom, as much freedom. And I don't want to put words in your mouth as no, you, you would don't. if you were a coach. Right, right. No, I don't have the freedom. I'm not the head DB coach. I'm the assistant right. coach. Well, right. Whatever they tell me to do, that's the way I have to uh, put it put it in absolutely you know what i'm saying so right so have you have you guys started otas yet yes we started otas okay how i know you what's that go ahead i was gonna say because i was looking at the roster and i was looking at some of the guys that departed you know you you're missing a kyle fuller that's no longer there you had a buster screen who i believe you played we both played with in cleveland yeah uh he was a nickelback so you got a lot of you know you got two two um Holes to fill with that, but how did how has the DB room looked so far? I know it's early in OTAs, no one makes the club with shorts and all that. But what's your uh just general overall uh perception of your room at this point? So, one, I, I think collectively as a group, I'm excited to see them. Um, and I'm excited to mm-hmm. see them because it's gonna be a lot of competition, it's gonna be fun, you know. Jalen right. Johnson. Right. Last year, we brought in Trufon, who started all the games last year once when he was healthy. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. Lord, like we got we got three legit corners, not a, not including guys like Duke and uh Tate uh uh Tease, like not including guys like that. We got it's depth at corner where all these guys can go in, play, and right, start. Right. And even well, let me ask you. I, I was I was our rookies are doing their things and I'm and I'm proud of them. Yeah. Well, I was yeah. going to, so that by you saying that it leads me to this other question. I know COVID had a, a a unique, you know, has has put a damper on some guys showing up, some some guys not. You know, I know in certain states a lot of the restrictions have been lifted. Do you guys have enough guys to actually run a practice? Because I know if I read I read someplace that you guys had probably the most guys opt out of all season workouts. And I don't want to put you in a tough spot, but do you have enough guys to actually, you know, cycle guys through and actually be able to evaluate? So we we do have enough guys. And um, 
right now is is not it's not more of a bad it's an evaluation process but right. right now it's good because it's probably a blessing in disguise because you know these young guys are getting so many reps yeah. and now yeah. we what they really can do you know and when right. that's and I, and I explained to him okay you're gonna be tired you're gonna get eight reps this period probably and you're gonna be mm-hmm. blown mm-hmm. but you got the best of it and go hard and make plays and make us say your name as long as it's something positive because when the vets come those eight reps gonna turn into two right which is right. on the right they're right. the vets and they're coming in like it's it's voluntary so right nothing right. To, nothing against it's, like who comes who don't because you know how it is right right, right. It's to these young guys right now and mm-hmm. to answer your question yes we can evaluate and we're seeing who right. we have and this and it's a good showing for the young guys. Yeah, I wish this was three or four weeks from now in the middle of camp, so I can ask you: Do you, have you spotted the next Mike Adams? The the guy that, that's a rhetorical question. I don't want you to answer that now. But like, that was one thing when you went undrafted in two thousand four out of University of Delaware. Walk me through, and I'm gonna skip around a bit. Walk me through your psyche as you know playing at a. Pl- was it D one at the time? Was University of Delaware D one when you left? We still D one. We we one double A. One double A. What was your psyche like in college? Coming from Patterson, New Jersey, uh, uh, did you have any aspirations to play in the NFL? What was that like for you? So I always had aspirations of playing in the league. That's one. And, and two, mm-hmm. like going from. From Patterson to Delaware, you know, it was more of a culture shock to me. You know what I mean? I, mm-hmm. I kind of didn't want to be there, but I I stayed there. Thank God I stayed there. And um, my mental, as far as going to the NFL, I always had aspirations of doing it. And I just yeah. felt like I could have played anywhere. I, I felt right. like I could have right. played any college. You know what I'm saying? And, right. and I was right. – Cocky, confidence, whatever you wanted to call it, like, yeah, I felt like I was. That's, just, that's rare, man, because you weren't highly touted, touted coming out of high school, right? Nah, I actually, actually, I kind of was. I was like second on the radar. You know, if this okay. guy doesn't okay. come, we're gonna, you're gonna. But I, I couldn't wait. Delaware had a right, a right, and I went. And funny story, it was uh, Coach McGovern, right? Mm-hmm. I can coach at Pittsburgh, and uh-huh. I was at uh Passaic Tech in high in, at at school. And he used to come up and see me and Gerald Hayes, me and G Hayes all the time. Yeah, like, yeah. Guys could be a package deal, this and that. We were just talking yeah. good, right? And then come down to it, when it's time to really, really offer, they brought us both in the office. He said, "Hey, Mike, sorry, um, we're not going to offer you a scholarship, but if this guy doesn't commit, uh, we'll be oh, sure you." It was one of those. I get it. I yeah, and then they, they took G Hayes and, and they offered G Hayes a scholarship, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and that right there just lit some fire in yeah. my ass, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And guess what, Bill no McGovern, I'm, I'm coaching with him right now. No, are you I'm serious? Linebacker coach. <laughs> wow, wow. Have you had that conversation yet? Have you what? had that conversation? I have yet? it with him all the well, time. I knew you blew him up. I knew you, you blew know him I've up. been throwing him up all the time. I'm like, man, Bill. I mean, oh, you would have broken Pittsburgh. Maybe you'd have been a head coach by now. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know what I'm saying? So let me let me like, go. Let me go. <laughs> he's like, he's like, hey, hey, pops. Let me tell you. 
that wasn't the first mistake I made. It won't damn sure won't be the last. <laughs> that, that's a that's a great response. I love, a great it. response. I love it. I love it. Yeah, so let me let me go back a bit. Let, let me start over because I got a little bit ahead of myself, man. Tell me a little bit about Patterson. Let's start, let's start from where it all started with you. So so the listeners, so even I can understand a better perspective of Mike Adams. You know, how was it growing up in Patterson, New Jersey? I know you have brothers, I know you have siblings. What was it like growing up in Patterson? So uh, Patterson, um, you know, everybody have a story going into the NFL with a mm-hmm. good uh, picket, right? Picket fence live with both parents, one parent. You know, everybody have a story. But my story is, um, you know, if I grew up in a drug infested area, um, yeah. seven brothers and sisters, seven of us, we, we stayed in wow. a uh, three bedroom apartment, a, right? Yep. Three bedroom wow. apartment we stayed in. Uh and well, you the oldest, youngest. I'm the second oldest of seven. Second oldest. So it's okay. my oldest brother Jay, then it's me, then my sister, and then the rest all boys. Wow, wow! I know, I know, y'all tore a house up, boy. Yeah, oh, damn. How long it took my sister to get a boyfriend? <laughs> I was bored. No, I, I believe it. Girl. I believe it. Yeah, man. Oh. So, so you have a, you know, you you finally escape the trappings of. Patterson, New Jersey, you get to high school. Um, you were somewhat touted, uh, as you said, you know, you told a story about Geno Hayes and you finally get to college and you finally, so so walk me Gerald through Hayes. your see Gerald Hayes, I'm sorry. Walk me through your senior year. You know, I knew you guys won a national championship in 2003. I just learned that, by the way. I never knew that. But walk me through what the draft process is like for you coming from Delaware. Did you have, did you have a sense of, where you would be drafted if you weren't going to be drafted kind of walk me through that process for us so i, w- I was getting touted sixth round seventh round then undrafted so um mm-hmm. but at that time at that time it was kind of it was a grind but mm-hmm. my mom was cancer at the time so going through that at the same time right. thinking i'm getting drafted it was tough but right. one thing I when I look back, I, I was like, damn, I was busting my ass. I used to get up like 5 30 in the morning just to drive an hour and a half to Pennsylvania to work out with Vaughn Hebron. You wow. know what I'm saying? That was the strict price wow. I was making just to wow. go to the NFL, you know? And um yeah. and the grind was just serious. Like my mindset, mm-hmm. I was just so focused, um just to be great, you know, just to right. uh people that doubted me because at yeah, Delaware yeah. I coach named Brian Broussard mm-hmm. I was in the office said, what you working out for what you training for you're not going to the NFL like wow. you're not big enough first of all wow. I played way faster than you I coached with people way faster than you in Wyoming when I was there blah 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 and they not even they ain't even sniffed the NFL why you think you could go mm-hmm. I looked at him. And one thing about him, Coach Broussard, he's just a straight shooter. He's dead serious. He's, he never lies. And, right. and I believe him. And he said to this day, he meant what he said, and I knew he did. But right. when I made the team just to, you know, hey, yeah, I did that. And every time you see right. him, be like, right. I, was, I was dead, bro, and this and that, blah, blah. Like, it's, hey, it's so, all, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes yeah. it's not what you what you need to hear. It, oh, I'm sorry. It's not all the time what you want to hear is what you need to hear. Yeah, and so so you finally get to San Fran, right? You know, you you prove everyone wrong. You prove your your head coach wrong. 
How does someone like you manage to stay around? Because you were undrafted. And back in those days, 2004, it was kill to be killed. If you were if you were an undrafted guy, I came out in 2006, and you can you can attest to this. If you were an undrafted guy, no one talked to you, no one did anything for you. You had to earn everything you possibly had. And when we finally played together, this was after what maybe three years in San Fran. How long yep. were you in San Fran? After three years, years in San Fran. It was your fourth year, which was my um, our first year playing together. I just remember stories, man, of the time we played together of, of GMs trying to draft over you, you know, starting other guys over you. And then somehow, some way, Pops always came out on top. What in the hell was that like when, first of all, you come from a 1AA school, you have a head coach tell you, what the hell are you working out for? You're not going to make it. You finally make it. You, 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 you play special teams in San Fran. You get released. You go to Cleveland. They keep drafting over you. And every moment you turn around, I'm like, this guy cannot catch a, a excuse my language, cannot catch a break. And what I do notice about you, what I, what I did notice about you, and what I give you credit for, Pops, I know I give you a lot of crap, but like any normal person would not be able to mentally handle that. How in the hell did you handle just the, the disappointment in other people not giving you a shot. Man. Shit. That shit got me tearing up right now. Because There's respect, man. You don't make it 16 years without enough fire, enough without being consistent, without being dedicated, without being motivated, sacrificing. I always said I wasn't never the biggest, the strongest, or the fastest, bro. I just wanted it more than you. Yeah. That's all. I just wanted it more than the next person that was in front of me. Right. You know, as easy as you say that, as easy as you say that, that's hard to do. And you know, you made it look easy. And that's why a lot of guys, including myself, always have looked up to you for that one reason. You never, your attitude was always positive. You never uh, blamed anybody for you not being in the position you wanted to be in. But somehow, some way, you were able to achieve something that I dreamed about, little kids dream about. You played 16 damn years, bro. Murder. Hold on. 16 years, bro. That's real, man. I got to show respect when it's there, man. But. I just want to, where, where does that passion come from? Where, where, as easy as you said, it has to come from something. Where did it come from for you? Was it someone that you looked up to when you were younger? No, I think like it's hard to sit up here and be like, and just give somebody credit for something. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It's hard right. for me to do that. Right. And right. the only person I can give credit to is the man upstairs because everything, I give my credit to God, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And at the same time, I do want to give credit to all the negative stuff that was around me. Absolutely. I want to give credit to all the drug drugs that was around me. I want mm. to give credit to, you know, yeah, that's big. my that's father strong. that was never there. You know, I want to give credit to, you know, that's strong. everybody that said I couldn't do it. I want to, I want to give credit to every everybody that just naysayer. Hey, yeah. he ain't He's not fast enough. He's not strong. I want to give credit to all of them because, and I, I can't, I couldn't have done it without him. So I appreciate right, it. Right, right. <laughs> That's big. That's strong. For everybody listening, listen. There, there was, there was 
when I was drafted in 2006, I always wanted to gravitate towards who had been in the league with the longest. I wanted to do whatever they were doing and emulate whatever they were doing in order for me to have a career in the league. Did you have anyone that when you got to the league and you kept over overcoming all these different things that were thrown at you, whether it be injury, whether it be a GM drafting over you, did you have an old head that you could kind of go to and be like, hey, this is the business, this is what you should do, and follow me and, and, and we'll make things happen? I wish. I fuck, I messed up a lot. I messed up a lot, mm-hmm. you know, just to get it right, which is kind of sad. You know, earlier on, like in those days, like people, it was, it was rough. So yeah. a lot of people, yeah. but I do give credit to guys like Willie Mack, yeah. Ted Washington, yeah. Tony Parrish. Big Larry Allen, like those guys when I was young, you know, like especially Tony Parrish, he told me how to take care of my body. Like, hey, right, right. Everybody walking around with these big chains and earrings and rims on their car, all that stuff, you use that money right. to take care of your body. Yeah. And yeah. And then on wood, bro. Thank God. Like I never had surgery um planned all 16 years, you know. Which is amazing. I missed a couple games. One, uh, I think, on a rib and a high ankle sprain. Um, I've, I've been healthy for most of my career, bro. So that's amazing. Shit, stop, man. Just, just taking care of my body, bro. Just doing yes. those and so my what, what, my pull ups, push ups, dips. I do all so, that. I'm trying to so, tell you to do it. And you, you, you've been trying to tell me to do that for years. I, I just knew my body, bro. I have to, and used to get on me all. It was like, man, you don't need to, you know. Don't overdo it. You know, you got a long season, blah, 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 blah. And I would listen, but I wouldn't. You know, I would listen, but I would still do my own thing. And I got to a point where I had to do what was comfortable for me because it was all about my mind. You know, it's like if I didn't do these things, when the season got tough and when we were you know, in Indy, if, if we're on a 12-play drive and we need to stop and I got to verbalize the call and make the checks, the, the, the one thing that would help me calm down and, and, and focus in was – my ability to go back to my preparation. So if I didn't do those things mentally, I would have been shot. So I was going to ask you, like, what was your, I know you did the put, you were big on the pull-ups, the, the push-ups, just the old barbaric type of type of workout in the off season. It didn't work for me, but someone like you, you're old school, man. It worked for you. And clearly you hit a home run because you played 16 years. Can you speak a little bit about your off season plan? Did you have a plan or you kind of just, uh, what was that like? Well, my off-season plan, working out, mm-hmm. like, I just did, I did, like, a rocky workout. Like, I never mm-hmm. touched weights unless I was, like, squatting. That's it. Squatting right. or leg yeah. press or, you know, maybe curls here and there. But that's the only time I touch weights. But other than that, I'm doing pull-ups. I'm doing push-ups. I'm doing dips. I'm getting yeah, massages yeah. week. I'm getting ART. I'm doing MAT. I'm getting a chiropractor. I get yeah. dry needling, yeah. hot tub. Yeah, cool yeah. Oh, I, oh, I okay. know it. <laughs> Uh, all of that is like every you yeah you was there like we get mm-hmm. stretched right mm-hmm. yeah you know what yep. I mean all of that stuff like preparation throughout the week people don't understand like you think you got time off nah if you right. really want to nah. succeed in this thing and you want to go far and stay healthy we ain't finished training up uh doing all of those things to probably like seven eight at night yeah yeah you're right you're right so, so I used to come let me ask you this kind of stuff. Say what? Remember, I used to come to your crib stretching. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I had, we had the whole team from, from Cleveland. 
we had the whole team from Cleveland come up and it's funny. I was talking to uh, white people before this. She was like, who are you interviewing? I'm like, pops. She was like, do you remember? She told me a story that I forgot about. I guess it was like Thanksgiving and mm-hmm. you know, you don't eat pork. So I, I saw her like cooking. I'm like, why are you making two pots of, uh, of greens? She's like, oh, Pop's coming over. I, he doesn't eat pork. I say, what? I say, you cooking for this man? And I say, you didn't tell me? I say, no, nah, man. No, nah. <laughs> no, nah, man. He's got too comfortable in this house. Man, used to walk in. I remember used to just walk in the front door and see what we had on the stove, man. But that that's the type of relationship we had, man, a friendship yeah, we had. Yeah. So I respected all of it, bro. Um, no doubt. Who's that going to be? So there, there was something that comes to mind. Do you remember? So I know you're a big traveler, right? And Might have to we had to hook it, hook it, hook it, her boy up, man, with that. Yeah, yeah. She, she took care of you. She took care of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I know you're a big traveler, right? So uh, remember when it was me, you, Chuck Pagano, Pat McAfee, and Japan, Anthony Costanzo. Yeah, we went to Japan. I don't know if you remember, but do you remember on the uh, what we on some sort of like track, uh, Amtrak or, or train or something like that? Do you yeah. remember what happened? Do you remember yeah. what happened on the? <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what happened. So went for everybody listening, man. Yo, I never forget how. First of all, it was a crazy experience because everyone on the train was quiet except for the Americans, except for us, and somehow, some way, pops got. Uh, uh, convinced to do a pull-up contest on the subway or the train or whatever we would we were riding, and I never forget, man. I'm looking around and everyone looking at us, and we're the only Americans being loud. But that was a good night, man. That was a that was a great time. Was we great had a chance night, to visit the troops. I don't know if you remember, we were on the bus, and I think you pointed it out because because Chuck Pagano he had this mantra, grit. You know what I'm saying? Like great, great, all that, you know, he used to talk about it all the time. And you saw it, you saw this sign off the bus, and you told the bus driver, pull over, pull over, pull over. Like, what's going on? What's going on? <laughs> and when we saw this, we all everybody got out, took a picture. You can see that. That that was dope, man. That was Word. one of the one of the we dopest the It was traffic coming. Across yeah, the- yeah, man. <laughs> so that was that was cool, that was, bro. That was cool. That was I really appreciate that. Yeah, no doubt. That was a great time. Visit. So let me ask you, with just 16 years, and you had a lot of different experiences in the league, good and bad. You had a bunch of ebbs and flows. Was there, early in your career, did you have that, when was that aha moment for you? It's like, you know what, I figured it out. I know my off-season routine. I know what I, what's expected of me uh, uh, week in and week out. I, I got a feel for the practice schedule, the practice speed. Did you have that moment? Um, I think I had that moment probably year I think year seven. It took me a while because you know I was a special mm-hmm. just grinding. Right. Just right. going. Um right. I just started sparingly. Like I start this game, I'll start that game. I wasn't a full time starter all 16 games yeah. until uh year seven, I think that was. And was I, that for Denver? No, that, that was after you I was in Oh no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Cleveland. I meant to say Cleveland. Nah, I was in Cleveland. Um, but just knowing how to study now, knowing how the angles of the game, like it took me a while, just like young guys, like it took me a while to kind of like figure it out because I was 
dealing with all these different coordinators. Mm-hmm. You know, San Francisco had two different defensive coordinators. And See, people don't understand that. People don't understand that. When you play in the league, imagine you playing under one system the for whole 16 years. Oh, man. There's no question if guys have that opportunity with their ability – and if you're able to play as long as there's no doubt in my mind, you can't be a Hall of Famer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that's the yeah. luxury that a lot of guys, especially, and I don't want to label you, I, I don't call you a journeyman. I call you a guy that freaking took care of his, everywhere you were, you made an impact. Everywhere you were, people remember you uh, for your work ethic. And I can't say enough about your attitude, man, because I remember being in Cleveland and uh, just having a rough time. And I remember just – we never said a word to each other. And I remember just seeing how, how positive you were in the locker room. And I'm like, damn, how's this guy able to be so positive every day? I'm ready. My body hurt. I don't want to do this. I got to do it. You know, all these different excuses. But somehow you were able to, you know, talk yourself into getting the job done, man, and just being the, the, the energizer bunny that you are. Um, that goes a long way, man. I, I, I know we talk a lot. We're good friends. But – uh, I can't say it enough how much you meant to me in that regard. Cause you know, in Cleveland, I went through some, some tough, some, some, uh, you know, life went through life, yeah. grew up as a man. But, um, yep. so let me ask you this. <laughs> I know we, I think I've asked you this before. Um, you know, I consider you a smart player, you know, or do you have, you know, some players that you, you when you met, you was like, man, man this guy is sharp as, as hell, man, on the, on the field. Because we get a bad rap. We get a bad mm-hmm. rap of being dumb jocks, and you don't play as long as you did if you're not a smart guy. Are there any other guys that when you met him and played, when you were like, man, this guy is sharp. He, he has it. Um, D-Butt. Mm-hmm. Um, no doubt. D-Butt was always sharp to me. Um, like, and I, and I think – and I think uh, we make each other better, though, too, because. Oh, I like, got a question. You just, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. We think differently, but when we come together, like it, mm. it kind of fits because we always piggybacking off each other. It's yes. like, yes. Yeah, like, I wouldn't have thought of that. And I'm like, yeah, because whoop de whoop de whoop, such and such. Yeah, and like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, Deepa, he probably was one of the smartest players I've been around. Um, mm-hmm. Anybody. So let me let me ask you this. So playing safety in the league, and I, I, I listened to your Be A Pro podcast before you became assistant coach. You were interviewing DRC. And I remember y'all talking about a pick that he had and the nonverbal communication between the two of you pre-snap. Yeah. Because I played linebacker and I dealt with that with D linemen. I've never asked you this, and I've always wondered, what is that communication like when you know you have – you said you had Champ Bailey on one side, you had uh, – Chris Harris in the slot. You had DRC over here. And then, uh, you know, you in, the, you in the post. Like, what is that like? Like, how, how – what is the nonverbal communication like? I, I don't know. If Let's say he was playing cover three and he's going to jump something. Can you walk me through a scenario where that's happened and it worked out? So, it worked out a lot. It worked out with all three of them, actually. Champ Bailey, Chris Harris, and uh, DRC. Because – one thing about it, like, and, and that's, and I want to bring it back to this real quick, OTAs. That's why OTAs is important. All of those guys was right. at OTAs with me, and we was right. there together. And you feel that so you have time to make mistakes and things out. 
Yeah, and when right. the game is on, it's easy because Chip Bailey he used to be like this. Mm-hmm. He, he, mm-hmm. He, now they said like yo, like that. Okay. He'd do a solo. Okay. And DRC would do the same thing, but DRC like this. He animated. He like yo. <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, right. And, That's and, what's and up, and man. The most, the most subtle is, is Chris. Chris be like, <laughs> "Yo." But but what kind of what kind of stresses does that put on a a, a strong safety slash free safety? You know, because you guys That's are interchangeable. I no always wonder. I always wonder what that was like because I've had conversations with like a guy like Zach Kirk when we was in mm-hmm. Indy because he was so nimble. And good with his hands. Sometimes I would tell him, "Hey, bro, uh, go make a play. I'll play off of you." And it's not a many guys that I could say that to, but Zach Kerr was one of those guys. Uh, Sean Rogers was one of those guys in Cleveland. Yeah. Um, a few other guys that that my mind can't think of right now. But I always wonder what that non communication was like, and what was it? What did that look like in the meeting room? Let's say it didn't work out. Like what? Like what is that like? Are you guys on the same page? Like I'm not going because you know how it is in the meeting room. If somebody, oh, yeah, we somebody busted the coverage. Yeah. Okay. It, it, we won't throw nobody in the bus. Or, like, if it don't happen the way we want, we'll be like, hey, coach, that's my fault. I take responsibility. But you had a better recruit, though. But could you do that with a younger a younger mom um, at corner? And- I think with Joe Hayden, I would. I did. With yeah, Joe yeah, Hayden, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because okay. he was just super athletic. You know what I'm saying? And right, right. I could not trust him. Go ahead. Do what you do. Go. You know, he's just Man, and, and I remember DRC saying when you were interviewing him on your podcast, Be a Pro, he said, you know what? You gave me the freedom to play within the system. And yeah. I think that's what gives, makes you what's going to make you a great coach. Because once you get the transition part down on how to communicate, how to, you know, articulate and verbalize certain techniques, I think that's what's going to, what makes former players great coaches and potentially front office uh, in management. So, with that being said, do you see yourself in the front office one day of an NFL franchise? I I do. I, I see myself. I see sometimes some days I see myself as a head coach, sometimes I see as a GM. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like cause I, I'm not I'm I'm gonna never be content. You know, I'm always right. gonna be right. trying to grow. You know, and I, I think I owe that to, you know, every every person that look up to me, you know, every you know, right. black and brown person that's trying to get in a, you know, higher position. Yeah, um, yeah. Young kids that's looking up to me, period. Like, or just players like, yo, just keep going. Just keep going. You know? Right. I just, right. I, I got I to gotta keep growing, you know? That's right. my, that's what well, just. Speak, speaking of growing, I think you're a great role model because you were able to position yourself during your time playing football. You and Ariana currently own uh, Milk and Honey Babies in Hudson Park in New York. That's big yeah, time. Hudson, yeah, if Hudson anyone Yard. has never been to New York, Hudson Yards is big time. Only exclusive shopping is done in Hudson Yards. And you have a storefront there. And I've been there a couple of times. A lot of this stuff is expensive, but rightfully so. It's, it's great. <laughs> and listen, it's some great stuff there, man. But uh, yeah. t- can you talk to me a little bit about when was that transition like for you because you always used to preach to me, man. I was like, hey, man, you need to do more. You need to do this. You need to do that. And I was, I just, I was like, man, I, I'm, I know my, I know my truth, man. I can't do more than one thing at one time. But you've always been able to balance different projects at the same time. When did you decide at what point of your career 
that off the field and getting having business ventures was important to you? Um, I always thought it was important be early in the league when I first got in because I first yeah. off I never seen the amount of money go in my bank account. Second, <laughs> I didn't know how long I was gonna last or how many years. So I tried to just build connections and right. um, and try to have my money work for me while I'm still trying to work. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, right. I didn't know what was going to happen. Like, shit, we just talked about it. Uh, coaches, they always, every year, they brought in somebody to replace me. Mm. Every year, they brought in somebody to replace me just to compete, ah. to compete with me, and which I never mind. I didn't mind at all the competition. Yeah, but yeah, but now you, you say that because you've been through it. You was you were able to persevere and push through it. But I remember being released from Cleveland, bro, like that. That struck a chord with me. That that hit me hard. That was the first time after eight years that I had to go through a team not wanting me and feeling that. You had to deal with it, what, six times? <laughs> was the first time as difficult as the last time you got released from a team? Or did it become easier? Because we're all human, right? We put out, I, I like to say we put our bodies through a blender. Here's one yeah. thing I couldn't say. Like I, the only time I've been released was my uh, for my rookie year when I when I got okay. released to be the practice squad, okay. right? Yeah. So yeah. out every last one of my contracts, they just okay, don't. okay. I just got never got. It. It. So you. I, I take that as a blessing. Like I just played mm-hmm. out all my contracts, never got released, and. And just being released, sometimes sometimes I just wanted to move on, and other times I did feel like that. I felt like I was unwanted, which is fine. Like, right. or you thirty two right. teams, you can't play for all thirty two at one time anyway. It's a so, fair emotion, right? So all you need is one team to like you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you leave Cleveland, you go to Denver, and that's when everything turns over. You're playing with Peyton Manning. You got Champ yeah. Bailey. You got DRC. Yeah. You got Chris Harris. You got TJ yeah. Ward. You got you have Von Miller. Y'all got a squad on defense. Tell me what that run was like to get to the Super Bowl. Because you came from a place you were you were in San Fran. You guys didn't win much, if if I'm if my memory serves me correctly. Cleveland, we definitely didn't win much at all. And you get the you get to to Denver, and it's like it's a new world, <laughs> you know. And then you go on that run. What was that run like? And what what was the difference? in your opinion, of the culture and the guys it, from it everywhere belief. you had been previously. Yeah. Believe. Like, we all believed in each mm. other. We all cared for one another. Like, it was no egos mm. from top down, you know? Right. Because, you right. know, coaches sometimes have an ego and want to control things and not let the players play. I believe that right. once you, a coach let the players take ownership of a team, then your mm-hmm. team will Your team will excel. You know, but so, once the coach yeah. wants to start micromanaging and telling players what to do, setting this time, oh, you got to curfew doing it, oh, you got to do this, you got to, and making it so like mili- militant, right? You'll lose right. the players. Generation has changed. So, you'll lose the players. You got to learn to adapt, adapt and adjust. Right. That's a great point. Uh, you 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 bring up a great point, and it leads me to this next question I have for you. You were adamant everywhere you've been. You've been adamant about getting the guys together, you know, whether it be a Friday or a Monday, the time we have free time. 
I got yep. a two part question. Did you did you was that something that was innate in you? Or is, it, is that something like an old head kind of passed down to you? Because I remember when we was in Indy, you you would get pissed at me if I didn't come to a you know a DB night or whatever. Because when I did, it was fellowship, man, and I see why. Because you had the experience, you had the winning experience, and I'm assuming y'all did y'all had that camaraderie in Denver, and you brought that to Indy, and I had never had that. Up until that, and, and I had it when you were around when I was playing with you. Once you left, it kind of died out, you know. So, um, did you was that passed down to you from an old head? Was that something that you just love being around the guys? Chip Bailey, Chip Bailey put me on with that, um, yeah, yeah. And and I saw Peyton Manning doing it a lot, and yeah. sometimes he yeah. invite he would invite me out to eat too, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and yeah, Chip. And I, and I see how close guys get, and I see how you know. So mm-hmm. now we make it. Hey, DB night Thursday, you got to show. Man, up. I had a ball, bro. And Indy, I, I had a ball. And that know. was mandatory. I made it yeah. mandatory. It's mandatory. Yeah. Monday night, we come in there. Whether you you can come for fifteen minutes and leave, but you got right, to come. You got to show up to everybody and go. But you got to show up. You don't yeah, show up. That was next time. That was love, man. And we had our best season. We had some of our best seasons there, man. And we were tight, man. We were tight. Yeah. Um, shit, man, I remember we had some great nights. Monday night game would be on and guys doing whatever. We got the, the room upstairs. And, you know, it was just – it was fellowship, man. That's one thing I do miss um, ever since I retired is that fellowship. Just guys shooting the breeze, man, and telling each other the truth. And the more time you spend together, the more you can tell the truth. And I bring that up because – there wasn't a lot of guys in the league. I remember, I forget who we were playing. We were in Indy, and we were getting gashed running the ball. And I remember looking in the huddle, and he was like, hey, Q, y'all got to tighten up up there, man. Like, y'all got to y'all stop the run. We'll stop the pass. Y'all got to tighten up. There's not many guys willing to speak like that during the course of a game and not take offense by it. I never took offense by it. And I would, you know, we would have our talks. I would have my talks with D-Butt. But that was the type of football that I missed when all guys were equally invested in winning and holding each other accountable, man. Holding That's what 16 years. Yeah. Accountability. Yep. That's what it so was. I, and I think that in, in, in India, I think that was one of the things that, um, especially playing with D-Butt, that we wasn't afraid of. We wasn't afraid to call mm-hmm. out anybody. No mm-hmm. one was exempt. Mm-hmm. No one was exempt. <laughs> like, if, you, if you messing up, hey – What's up? Tighten mm-hmm. up. What you doing? Oh, man. Do I'm you making, remember? I'm, if I'm making seven, eight tackles in the first half, I'm coming right. with you. What's going on? Yeah, I'm making too problem. many tackles. Yeah, I remember that, bro. I remember that. And it was like you were the spokes, spokesman for the DBs because no youngster couldn't come up come up to me and say that. Nah, nah. We, nah we, we not having that. Nah, get it. Hey, bro. You ain't got enough hours in this game to talk to me like that, bro. <laughs> nah. There's only a handful of guys that can talk to me like that. And one of them was balling up and his head is shining. You know what I'm saying? He was one of them, bro. <laughs> oh, man. So, hey, Mike, so I got, I got one other thing I, I got for you, man. Um, every week I have every week I have a guest on, I come up with random rapid-fire questions. This week I'm calling it the pick six. Because, you know, both of us played uh, on the defense side of the ball, and we know a pick six is a game changer. Mm-hmm. So I got some fun questions for you. A little light. I got one that's a little head scratch. You may have to think a little bit, but I think it'll be all right. Uh, you ready? How many we got? 
I got six. Pick six, man. Pick six. Come on now. Uh, matter of fact, rapid fire, right? Yeah, rapid. Matter of fact, you can take your time. Matter of fact, before I get into this, I looked up something that said you had. Do you know how many t- defensive touchdowns you had? Mm, I don't think I only got two, three. Hmm. That's too bad. No, you got two because I got three. I got one more than you, bro. Yeah, believe that. <laughs> believe that. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> ah! How many interceptions you got? We're not talking about it. I'm doing the. I'm doing the. Oh, I'm oh, the one hey, asking the question. I'm the one asking the question. This is called athletes unplug, not be a pro. Okay. Yeah, much, oh, okay, that? good. You're good. You're right. <laughs> All right. You're so right. the first. No, no, you good. You good. All right. So we got six questions. Uh, the first one is: What's your favorite movie or sitcom? Ooh, anything with Martin. Then love. Then line. <laughs> Uh, already do it. Already do it. I, I like layup. life. Mm-hmm. I like uh, mm-hmm. Harlem. I, I even go back mm-hmm. to Harlem, like Harlem Nights. Oh, oh yeah, that's a classic. That's a classic. Yeah, that's a classic. All right. I, I figured. I figured you was gonna land somewhere on Martin. All right. The second one, because I know how big of a movie fan you, or I'm sorry, uh, a music fan you are. Um, what was the first concert you ever attended? Concert. Mm-hmm. First concert I went to was Life Jennings. Oh, okay, okay. Forty Niners, <laughs> bro. Ariana yeah, Life Jennings. That's Man, that's dude. dope. You you know what my that was one of the best gifts she did. Yo, my very first concert, I fell in love. You know I'm from Florida, so I went to a, a it was no limit no limit concert, and Trina was there. I fell in love, bro. Fell in love. Fell in love. All right. So question number three. Um, again, because I I, I kind of know how you move. What's the best vacation you've ever taken and why? Africa. Mm. I went to mm. Africa. I went yeah, to um mm-hmm. Cape Town. Then I went to um then I uh we was in um I don't know why I drew a blank just now. No, it's all good. It's all listen. I I had a chance to go to uh, Cape Town in South Africa before the pandemic hit. We actually got back March seventh. I think the world shut down like a week or two later, so we just made it. But we 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 spent some time in the bush and did the whole safari. It was dope. It was dope. Safari, it was dope. Yeah. So question number four is a little bit of a you know a little thinker. You got to take your time with it, um, but I think you can handle it. It's would you rather have more time or more money? Time. Mm, okay. Okay. I wrote the question. Not even I had to think about it. I was like, yeah, more time because the more time I have to make money, <laughs> you know, I get the best of both worlds. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, question number five, turkey bacon or pork bacon? I almost smacked you just now. Right <laughs> in Hey, you know why I put that? You know why I put this question on here? Remember when we went to Costa Rica? Every morning we argued about the turkey bacon, how everybody was eating the turkey bacon. Exactly. It's food, right? It's, it's no, food, Pops. No, no, whoever listening to this, let me talk right now. Oh my God. You need to be a pro. You need to be a pro. Listen, if you got a house and you got a chef there cooking, and oh, some people, no. and I, if you got one person in there that don't eat pork, he's not going to eat it all. 
one person in there that don't eat pork, and then somebody come and make turkey bacon and pork bacon. Everybody in the house going to eat turkey bacon oh and leave the pork bacon right there. See, that Listen, goes to show. You but see, this is, this is the problem. This is the problem. I woke up earlier than you did. The turkey no, bacon was done first. Oh, no, you're right. You're right, because you were screaming, waking everybody up. That's right. That's right. Yes. No, but, bro, it's food. He cooking food for everybody. You going to be selfish and not share your turkey bacon, bro? It was good. Just, it was good. Why, why you want my turkey bacon? Man, go ahead. Go, go I ahead. eat turkey bacon and pork bacon. All right. Uh, last, last question. Last mm-hmm. question I got for you of the pick six. Yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking about my turkey bacon. Let, no, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, that's all good. All right. So do you know uh, how many career games you've ever played in? I'm setting up the last question. Do you know that? Yeah. Um, I think uh, is it 220? 228. So, so my question to you is for everybody listening, and I'm gonna I'm stroke your ego for a second. There's been in the history of the National Football League, first of all, 228 ranked six all time in the history of the National Football League of. Career games ever played by defensive backs? Did you hear me? Let me repeat it. At 228 <laughs> career games, you are six all time in the history of the NFL of career games played by defensive backs. My question to you is: Can you name the five guys ahead of you? I'll give you a hint. The first one. I'll give you a hint. He played. Rob was he played where I where I live right now. He played for the team where I live right now. His um, last name is a color. No, I know, I know. Daryl Green. Yeah, I'm gonna take it. Daryl Green. I'm Daryl Green, Green has two hundred has two hundred and ninety five career games played. That's one. It was somebody that I'm right behind with two hundred twenty nine. Right? Is it uh, Rob Wilson? No, I passed Rob. Oh, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. So so Rob Wilson. Rob Wilson is at two thirty eight. He's actually oh, fifth so all time. Was, so you got you got Daryl Green at two ninety five. You have you at two twenty eight. Rod Wilson at two thirty eight, and you got three uh, other guys left. Who, who are they? I forgot. Charles Wilson. Charles Wilson. He's number two overall. Two hundred fifty four games. You have Eugene Robertson. He played for Seattle. I had to look him up. Yeah, he's at two hundred fifty career games. And Runde Barber. He's at two hundred forty one. So, again, I have to give you your respect for a guy that went to a 1AA school. You played at University of Delaware, Blue Hens. You were undrafted in 2004. You were drafted over multiple times throughout your career. You were other guys who put in front of you multiple times throughout your career. And somehow you were able to overcome all of that adversity, escape injury, play 16 years, and have a a legacy left behind with six overall with career games at 228. Bro, I got to give you another round of applause, bro. I got to give you another round of applause. And with that, bro, we got to end on that note. I can't come with nothing else after that, bro. Uh, no I doubt, appreciate your time. Yeah, bro. Hey, Pops, I appreciate your time, your perspective. Uh, I wish you nothing but love. And nothing but um, the best at Chicago. The boys don't know what they're getting, man. They're getting a legend in the, in the making. And I can see you one day being a coach, a front office, GM, whatever the case may be. But uh, I'm happy for you guys, man. I'm happy for you. And uh, Chicago, the secondary is going to be intact, bro. So 
Salute no doubt, to you. Appreciate Tell the family it, I said hello. And uh, no I appreciate it, bro. All love.